Hi, you're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. On this podcast, we discuss our relationship with food, whether it is easy or less so, and how it affects our behavior. I suffered with eating disorders for years, and it took everything to pull through. Now that I'm at the other side, I want to open up the conversation, find out how other people manage this basic and most fundamental of relationships. I'm taking a light approach, but I think if this area of our lives is skewed, then so is the rest. It's never just about food. So today I'm talking with Jane Perry, actor, voice actor and acting coach. So many strings to your bow. (laughs) Welcome to this food thing. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, Yeah. good, good. Busy day? Quite a busy day, yeah. What have you been doing? Um, I was at my husband's place of work. Uh, ordering um, <laughs> hand gel and, and, and okay. antiviral wipes and, oh, you know, all the stuff that you have to do right now okay. during COVID-19. Indeed, mm-hmm. indeed. Challenging times. Yes. Um, let's dive in. Okay. And I have, so you're my second guest and I have a, a sort of loose questions. And the first question that I ask, I'm going to ask everybody and I asked Roger beforehand, was can you describe your relationship with food, mm-hmm. friend or foe? Um, and either in the past or the present or just your kind of initial response to that question, how would you describe your relationship with food? Um, well, I would uh, it's complicated mm-hmm. is the thing that comes to mind first and foremost, and it is both friend and foe. Okay, so how is it friendly? Friendly in the sense that um, food has always been a great sort of comfort in my life. Uh-huh. And um, I, I think, you know, from when I was a child, it was something that, um, you know, if something wasn't going quite right or or if things were going right, there would be a treat that would be food. Sweet treat? Yeah, generally like sweet. Like what? Oh, biscuits and or cake or baked good that my mum might might make or okay. something like that. Um, and, and so it, it kind of served a purpose, you know, in terms of helping me through, I guess, tricky times. So like if you did something well at school or you'd had a bad day or... Yeah, if I had a bad day. Or you or won something. Maybe or... I did well at swimming practice or, you, you know, we went to the dentist and had a, a filling or something like that. <laughs> you then have a lollipop to take exactly, your filling out. just to work on the next cavity <laughs> yeah, that was exactly. coming. Um, yeah, just things like that. So there, there was always a food element associated with, with most things. With success or achievement, because that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. About things being laid down way, way back before yeah. we're even conscious with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a special... Yeah. A specialness about it. Yeah, definitely. Being gifted with food. Yeah, gifted with food for sure. And would you be, would you be, would your mum reward you with food that you wouldn't usually have? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, and it was always something sweet. That was always the treat was something sweet. My mum had quite a sweet tooth herself. Okay. And she had, I think, a lot of issues with, with food. I mean, she... In what way? Well, she was overweight and uh, I think... She would nurture herself with food if she was having a tough time and she went through kind of depressive spells and things like that. And, you know, this was a time when going to therapy, certainly in my family, it was not really the acceptable thing to do kind of in the 80s, you know, uh, when I was growing up. Um, 
So I think that, you know, for her dealing with issues that she had, the easiest and perhaps most uh, effective thing in the short term anyway was to reach for something to eat. And then she'd include you within that behaviour? I think she was a bit of a secret eater. How, 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 talk about that. How do you know that? Um, Why do you think that? Well, because she was overweight, but I wouldn't see her eating loads and loads of food. Ah. Um, She also worked at night, so I think she probably, you know, went to work and then ate a lot at work. She was a nurse. She was a very, very good nurse. Um, But I think her job was exhausting. And, um, yeah, she worked at night, so she was always tired. You know, she probably didn't sleep as much as she needed to during the day. Where was your dad with all the... The food, the treats, the eating. My dad, um, in contrast to my mom, was very slender. Of course. And very healthy. <laughs> of course. And didn't really agree with, you know, I think all the treats and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that was a funny kind of thing in my family. So there was also in my family this great emphasis on health and fitness. and From, from, from as dad. far back as you can remember, from your dad. Yeah. Do you think that was something that they um, discussed or fell out about or Uh, had conflict with? Because it's about parenting, isn't it? Different styles of parenting. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I mean, I wasn't sort of aware of um, any specific conflict around it, but I I do think it was there. Certainly, um, you know, I think my dad had concerns about my weight when I was younger and were you and were you big I was I was chubby were I you? wasn't that big, word, big chubby but chubby definitely okay. yeah yeah I used to have rolls on my stomach when I was a kid <laughs> I just thought as I got t- taller they'd magically iron out it and didn't they- happen no, they just got bigger <laughs> well something happened because look at you now <laughs> bless you <laughs> okay so how did he did he take you to I don't know sports clubs or yes did you go running with him because yeah yeah, yeah I did we went hiking and skiing and you know my dad was as I said very active and and so we would do all of those activities with him so interesting yeah and he wouldn't give you food Mm, he would, but not the same way my mum would. And I could see, you know, sometimes it's also about observing your parents' relationship with food and those subtle things that you pick up on. And I don't think he needed food in the same way that my mum did. So his relationship with it wasn't kind of addictive. And I think my mum ah. was. Oh, I got a little chill when you said that. Mm. Who, um, who, provi- who, who made the food at home? My mum did. All the time? Pretty much, yeah, unless it was a barbecue or, you know, that sort of thing. Of course, of course. Your dad's going to do the barbecue. Oh, yeah. You're Canadian. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. (laughs) Um, Do you you remember eating to please your mum? No, I wouldn't eat to please my mum. Yeah, that's not really... You mean eating food that I didn't want? Or that maybe she'd say, well done, well done, I've got this cake. I remember being a bit kind of basic. but And then you wouldn't really want it, but it was something that you did to... To please her because she bought you something. Right. I think that if she did buy me something, I would have wanted it. (laughs) If it was like sweets or chocolate or something. Yeah. I I wouldn't have thought, oh, I really don't want to eat this, but I'm going to eat it anyway. Because my mum bought it. I'd be like, yay. Great. Um, Because my dad used to buy me food. Mm. 
and for almost force me to eat it right until I'd be sick oh gosh and my mum would never buy the kind of food that he bought yeah so he'd buy me cornettos and stuff and that was thrilling uh, so it set up a, a dynamic for me that's yeah. the reason I'm saying it right yeah yeah I think maybe what was more accurate in the relationship that I had with my mum was that we might eat stuff together share the pleasure of it together so mm-hmm. it would be a point of um, connection okay between the two of us and do you have siblings? Mm-hmm. I have a brother, an older brother. And was it similar for him? Yeah, my brother was a bit of a beanpole when he was a kid. Um, uh, so I don't know that he had the same kind of experience with food that I did. I think he was, um, I think it was less complicated for him somehow. I don't okay. know why, but okay. um, yeah. Um, so... At what point did you start to look at yourself and think, actually, I'm a bit chubby and it well, had a different resonance than when you were a little girl? Yeah, it's. Uh, I unfortunately became very aware of this because I had two friends tell me that they couldn't play with me anymore because I was fat. <gasps> That's awful. Yeah, their mum, their mums wouldn't allow it. No. No, I'm serious. No. Yeah. And and I remember feeling incredibly hurt. Of course. And slightly shocked. Like, oh, right. Okay. What did your mum do? Um, I don't know that I told my mum, to be honest. She would have bought you a cake. <laughs> she might have done to make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. And make herself feel better. That's terrible. Yeah, it, I was, you know, looking back on it and I just think, gosh, what kind of parenting is that to tell your child, oh, you can't hang out with that other child because the way he or she looks is going to rub off on you in a negative way. And in my case, it was being overweight. But, you know, I did start think, well, I wonder, would they do that with, um, you know, a child who maybe has a disability or, or, or yeah. looks different for other reasons? Uh, but for me, it, it, it was when shame around body shape crystallized for well, me. That's, well, that's I'm not surprised. That's extraordinary. Mm. Extraordinary. So how old were you? Oh, good question, Gemma. I, I don't know, but I you're say... not. I just want to say now, you're nowhere near overweight now, oh, like no. sylph-like. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's funny how important that is. To yes, exactly. That, it's like, of course, it doesn't great. matter at all. It, no, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm trying. You know, I'm 50. I turned 50. I'll be... F- no, I turned 51. Sorry. Um, Did you? Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Last month. Uh, and I, I'm trying to sort of disengage from the idea of being slender as yeah. being good. Mm-hmm. It's very Me difficult. Too. Yeah. Because my whole life has, since that, you know, since I was that that chubby kid who had those comments my whole life has sort of been geared towards that value or, or being slender being a, a value and and something that you need to achieve in order to have sort of more currency or more worth or more well, self and you're an actor and I'm an actor yeah and which also makes it yeah. just hellish in some ways and that thing of going into a profession where you're you're going to be judged on your physicality yeah. and chosen because of your physicality or yeah. not chosen because of your physicality. Yeah, that's it. So competitive. Yeah. Brutal. It's like learning the lesson over and over again, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I I mean, I, I feel comfortable with my body size. Now, I'm a size 10, 12, let's say, but I've never been that slender, slender person that you see a lot on, you know, our screens, mm-hmm. TV and film. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I, 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 I reckon I never will be. It's changing, though. Yes, it is. It and is I'm changing. Glad. And yeah. I, there's a part of me that feels like, um, you know what? It's time to let go of that value and just see. Because there are a lot of people 
you know, men in particular are very lucky. They don't have to worry about these things so much. But there are many women who are on screen now, especially in this country, but increasingly more so in North America, who are not this idea of perfection. And um, and, and I'm, I challenge myself to be comfortable being one of those women who maybe looks older and, and isn't slender and has a little roll of fat, you know. Yeah, but like, like we all do. Yeah, looking yeah. normal, real, whatever normal is, yeah. but yeah. authentic. Yeah, exactly. And um, looking authentic, though, in a medium that is actually quite inauthentic yeah, exactly. most of the time yeah. is is a challenge. I know. It's yeah. a complete oxymoron, isn't it? Yeah. If that's the right word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So when, uh, that's terrible. I'm still reeling that a couple of parents said you can't play with Jane. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's interesting because I was not actually that fat. Like I wasn't an obese child. I just was... I was just a bit chubby. <laughs> yeah, and then you have all this shame to carry, yeah. which is awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what were you like in your teenage years? Well, when then, did it start to become not a friend? Uh, yeah, then around the age of 14, I then became bulimic. Oh, did you? 14, that's mm-hmm. so young to start. And I, I was bulimic for seven years. And I think it, it came from you know, those messages that I had. And also yeah. probably the messages that I got from my mom, like, oh, it's lovely to eat, it's great. And from my dad, no, it's great to be slender and skinny and, and healthy. So I thought, well, I can do both of those things. Of course, you, yes, you can. If, if I'm bulimic. And I felt like it was my secret weapon. I thought, I've got yeah. this sorted. Um, and, and unfortunately, I, you know, had that eating disorder for seven years. Just seven years? Yeah. Didn't come back? Well, it, I had to stop because I, you know, I guess when I became a, a teenager, I realized I wanted to become an actress. And of course, bulimia has a whole raft of health problems that come with it, but one of which is really severe vocal problems. And I could talk about that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. being a voice artist, but being an actress, you, you know, that I just, I wanted to be an actress more than I wanted to have this um this eating disorder and all the things that I thought that it was giving me. So I I stopped and I'm ever so glad I did stop. You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Now, welcome back to This Food Thing. I'm sitting here with the lovely Jane Perry who's just told me she wanted to be an actress. <laughs> um, but I'd just like to talk a little bit about the bulimia because I'm very interested in the fact that you had it for seven years, you made a decision to become an actress, you knew it was bad for you, so you stopped. Mm. So I knew it was bad for me, but I didn't stop, so right. this isn't about me. So that intimates that you're someone who's very focused and resolute and, and clear. Well, I, I think at that... You know, when I was younger, I really, I really was clear about wanting to be an actress. I had this, I felt hugely and very strongly compelled uh, to do that. And, um, and I guess, you know, my love of acting was stronger than my love of food. It really did give me so much of what I suppose I was looking for from, from food. And of course... For me, food, it was like my mum, an addiction, especially to sweet things. Um, and so that, you know, you eat something and it's lovely in the moment. And then 
And then the moment's gone. Yeah. And the pleasure you get from it's gone. And um, and with acting, I found something that sustained me on so many different levels. The pleasure, the fulfillment, the stimulation was uh, was much more vast than that actual, actually quite small moment of satisfaction from eating, uh, you know, a chocolate bar or whatever biscuit or whatever or binging and being sick yeah did you have did do you remember when you just went i'm i'm done i'm yeah. not gonna do this again yeah do you do you remember Actually, that? that's a good question no i don't remember that exact moment but i remember feeling you know when i was older if, you know and having the whole binging and, and, and purging thing feeling actually this is awful ah. this has become awful did you starve yourself any ever? Have no, you done that? No. I never starved myself. And uh, and funny enough, I never really lost weight from being bulimic. No, it's a bummer, isn't it? It worked <laughs> yeah, at first. And like, then you just like a minute. You just why am I doing platter? this? Platter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I learned about it from Jane Fonda. She was being interviewed on um oh, she's going, some yeah. maybe it was Oprah or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And she was talking about how she was bulimic. And and when she said that, I was like, Oh my God, that's a great idea. I'm going to try that. And um, ah, that's what that's what got me into it. Ah, um, so susceptible, aren't yeah, we? Which when we're young. makes me feel like, gosh, you know, maybe it's not great to talk about these things because on the one hand, if you have bulimia, it's great to hear people, you know, talk about their experiences with it. But if you are that young, impressionable young woman who's looking for an answer to the weight issue, then um, she might get some ideas listening yeah but, but i counter that with the fact that you you're through it and you're talking yeah. about how very destructive it was yeah that's true and actually it's it's out there i mean it is out there already there's what, you know, what did you do with the shame what, what do you do with the feelings because once you stop um, the feelings don't go i don't know Gemma. that's a good question i still have those feelings of shame around <coughs> excuse me my body um and yeah, I'm not sure what I've done with them. I think. Do you feel the shame in your body as heat? No, I feel the shame. If I feel shame in my body, I when I think about my body and what it looks like, I imagine this massive mountain of a woman. And okay. I, I start to think, oh, that's what I look like. And do you see that in the mirror? Because that's body dysmorphic, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I don't see it when I look in the mirror. I just see it when I imagine myself in my mind's eye. I imagine this. And it's not like I have to work out. It just comes up this image of somebody who's sort of hideously uh, unattractive. Wow. And, uh, wow. How, so how do you deal with that when you're on camera? Oh, it's a nightmare for me, actually. Oh. And, um, yeah. I don't Going onto a film set. I don't deal with it very well. I have to sort of manually disengage from my own feelings about self and focus on my character and what I'm doing and and, you know, just get into the... The basics of acting, which is to not be thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the person, your scene partner, as they call it, um, if you have one. And, and yeah, focusing on what you want, what your character wants. So, you know, it's, it's really about focusing on what my character needs and, and who I'm sharing the stage or the scene with. But that's exhausting, isn't it? That, that moment before yeah. you get, get into character or however you get there. Yeah. Then I, maintaining it and particularly... I mean, I know you get the, of course, you get the adrenaline, but if you're in a, a show and it's running for several months mm. or weeks or everything, you have to go through it all the time. Yeah, it's funny. I don't feel it so much on stage because I feel like 
on stage, there are other aspects of my vitality that can come through mm -hmm. with the characters I'm, I'm playing. And I can feel quite freed in some ways from the whole body image thing on, on the stage. But I think on film, it somehow is different being photographed. Um, you know, there's that idea that the, the camera adds 10 pounds, which I think is true. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, yeah, the, there's something I just find very confrontational about it. I suppose also because when you're filmed, it, it exists, it's out there for the long term. Have you ever not gone to an audition or turned down a part um, or ruined your audition because of your feelings about your body that they've just, you know, come up? Well, no, I haven't. And I think it's also because I've never been called upon to be the glamorous um, lead mm -hmm. woman in a TV series. Okay. I have on the stage, but and once again, not on TV. So I think my aesthetic anyway doesn't sort of push me into that territory. Mm -hmm. It probably pushes me into, you know, more the professional woman or the... The, the best friend or, you know, the uh -huh. one who's not really, yeah. certainly not the love interest, the one who's, you know, for whom it would be imperative to look drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> but you are, you are. Oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and of course, I wouldn't have thought that would happen to you when you're doing a voiceover or... Yeah, voiceover's It's completely fine. different, isn't it? Because you can hide great. away. Yeah, you can hide away and... And you can turn up looking like you've just run, run... Yeah. And I frequently through a bush. Do. Yeah, I always do. I, I frequently do run through a bush before a voice job, <laughs> just because I can. It's essential to run through a bush. And um, this character stuff, because I also this is a bit um, of a odd question, but if if food, if your relationship with food were a character, mm. what do you think they would look like? Mm. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. It would be some kind of amorphous blob, I think. <laughs> some shapeless kind of entity that kind of oh. um, maybe doesn't really... No features. No features, just this, this sort of thing. Wow. That bubbles along. That moves around. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a funny old thing. I mean, when I'm... When I'm good with food, I'm, it's all great and it's fine. But it's always there. It's always there. It is always there, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. So how are you um, eating in public, cooking for people, being cooked for, mm. going to eat in a restaurant? I'm, how is all that? That is, uh, it, yeah, it's fine. I, I, I love having people, like my husband and I love having people over for dinner. Mm -hmm. You guys have been over. We've been at yours for dinner and that's no problem at all. Um, there are times when I find it very hard to eat if I'm having a very intense conversation with someone or um, as sometimes happens, it's quite rare where I might be the only person eating and a friend has just come <laughs> in. And I'm like, no, I don't. That oh. I find really hard. No, you can't eat then, can you? No. Of course you can't. It's too much. Because you're on your own. You're in your own space. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be exactly the same. Yeah. So, uh, but otherwise, yeah, I don't really have a problem being witnessed eating and uh, serving food to people. It's fine. Do you reward your husband or yourself with sweet treats? Yeah. yeah Do yeah, you? Yeah. Both? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So if something's going on, you'll think, oh, I'll get him a cake. Yeah. Exactly. I'll get myself a cake as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will choose to buy him things other than food. It's not always food. <laughs> <laughs> He's like 60 stone. <laughs> he doesn't go out. Yeah. 
since he's met me, he's gained 200 pounds. Yeah. No, that's not true. He looks great. Um, <laughs> but yes, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that, that I would buy him a little treat and he would do the same. And then send him out for a walk, go for a run, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mum right. and dad at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, and... and that's the thing that's complicated about it because there is pleasure in food. It's a lovely thing to do to bake something for someone uh-huh. or, or to deliver a beautiful, um, you know, pastry or, or something. That's a nice thing to do. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, when one is in a good place with food, it's, it's not a problem. It's not an issue. But there, there are times in my life, and I think in his life too, where we can cross over into we've eaten too much or we've had too many of these things and, and suddenly it's it's not a treat anymore. It's it's kind of a problem. Yeah. Or you start talking about your food in terms of carbohydrates and proteins and fats. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That completely, uh, it just takes away the sensuality of food, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it can do. And it becomes all very um, kind of mechani- mechanistic. Yeah. I think is what I want to say. Yeah. So what, what's... Um, I want to go back to this seven years of bulimia Mm -hmm. and do you think it worked? Do you think it it, it helped you? Mm. So if someone said you could have those seven years back Mm -hmm. and you won't have an eating disorder, Mm. what would you, what would you say? Oh, I'd say definitely. I I don't think it helped me at all in any way, shape or form. It, It was a secret. That I kept. Right. So I would do it in private. So no one knew. No one knew. And my mum did ask me once. I think she heard me uh, throwing up and I denied it. Okay. And, um, you know, so right off the bat, if, if you're busy doing something in secret, keeping these things from your family, that's not good. Uh, did you I, tell your friends? Uh, no. No, I didn't. No, I really kept it to myself. So when did you first speak about it? Um, I think I told my mum towards the end of of those seven years, so probably when I was kind of leaving home, I guess, and uh, she was not entirely surprised. I think she knew, um, but I think it made her feel a bit helpless because I don't think she knew what to do about it. So you didn't have a conversation about it? We did have a conversation about it. Um, and in fact, now that I think about it, I think we had a family, one family therapy session about it, which oh, was you? dreadful. <gasps> it was dreadful. All of you? Yeah, we all went reluctantly. And you were the, you were the <laughs> because, focus. Because of me. <laughs> Let me tell you, never feels good. Oh, never um, good. And uh, Do you remember the session? Yeah, I do. It was awkward. And I don't think the therapist, I didn't really believe in her. Okay. And I just felt that, the rest of the family my brother was completely disengaged from the whole thing i'm sure and um i don't think my dad felt you know i don't think he he would god bless me he's um you know he was a different person back then he didn't really believe in therapy and all that oh, sort of okay. Stuff. okay so there was this huge sense of reluctance and perhaps my mum doing it because this is what you do when your daughter confesses she's got an eating disorder but without sort of you know maybe i don't know did you leave did you go i have an eating disorder and you're pile off in the car and mm. go to the therapy session. Mm. You come home and you're like, right, see you, off to college now, I'm fine. Yeah, kind of like that. Did you yeah. then find yourself reassuring her throughout the years? Did you ever touch on it again? No, not really. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we sort of left it. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you never talked about it with your dad? Mm, not really, no. 
Not, not that I can recall. I mean, things, you know, I, I might have done, but it, I don't have any conversations with my father about it that are really present in my mind. Okay. Um, I think I just sort of um, grew out of it or made my choices around it. And, and that was that. And I was done. You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Welcome back to This Food Thing. I'm here with Jane Perry. And I would like to talk a little bit. Yeah, do you know what I want to know about? I want to know about the parents. The parents of the your friends. Oh, right. Um, yeah, well, you know, I grew up in, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Mm-hmm. Calgary's out west. Alberta's one of the more conservative provinces in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I think that my neighborhood, we're talking deep Canadian suburbia. Okay. Is that <laughs> like English me. suburbia? Yeah, I reckon it is. Okay. Just Parochial. Quite, yeah, small-minded, sort mm. of, maybe sort of narrow views on, on the world. And... and there was, I think, a sense in my neighborhood of, of kind of keeping up with the Joneses in a way of, of, you know, having an outwardly focused sense of success. Uh-huh. So you had to look successful as well. Oh, wow. And, okay. um, not that, I mean, it was very middle class. Um, but I think that those sorts of things were important to people. I, I still find it surprising. I can't imagine sort of saying that to anybody, but- um, But were they, were they really skinny, the mums? Yes, This is were. what I want to know. They so were. they must've had their own stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, they were skinny. Their daughters were skinny. There was no danger of, of, of their children becoming fat by association. <laughs> because of course, if you mingle with a fat person, <laughs> you will also become fat. <laughs> or so they must've thought. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, I think they were just quite judgmental. They, they, I don't, I don't know. They didn't like me. Did that affect your um, relationships? Were they both both girls, your friends? Yeah. Did that affect your female friendships? Absolutely, it did. And does it still affect your female friendships? Yeah, I think sometimes I can feel like I'm not good enough to be a girl, or not feminine enough, or not beautiful enough. All those things will plague me, and and I, once again, I'll have to sort of manually disconnect my insecurities so that they don't affect my friendships with women. And I do have fabulous female friends, I'm very happy to say. And, uh, and you know, some of these friendships have been in my life for a very long time. And my female friends are, you know, just gorgeous, beautiful women, mm. both inside and out. Do you talk about food with your female friends? That depends on the friendship, but yeah, sometimes. Um, I mean, I think food issues, you know, between women is, it's a topic that's not yeah. an unknown territory. That's yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. It can be a common parlance, can't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have some friends who don't have food issues whatsoever, in which case we might find ourselves talking about other things. But, you know, those friends who do have similar issues, we will commiserate, I guess. Did your feelings around food um, or your wanting to change how you felt by using food, did you ever, mm. did it ever go into alcohol or drugs or anything else like that? Or no. Over-exercising or yeah. overworking? Or? I would over-exercise, I think. I used what did to that exercise look like? a lot. I used to run for, I mean, I'm not much of a runner, but I would 
you know, spend a long time at the gym. I'd go for hour-long runs and things like that. Would you do the gym and an hour-long run in the same day? Might do, yeah. yeah. And how long did you do that for? That was when I was um, in my 20s, sort of, you know, mid to late 20s. And did, did that work? No, no, I've never been able to... Actually, that's not true. When I... I've never, I was going to say I've never been skinny. I've never been able to achieve that skinniness that I... Yeah, because you can never get thin enough. But in, if when you when it's true. distorted, but it wasn't distorted. I've never really actually changed my body shape because you haven't made enough of an effort. <laughs> I, well, when I, I I was working at this um, uh, rep theater in, in Canada, yeah. my first season there, I I was um, understudying loads of different roles, and so I wasn't on stage. I was just an understudy. I was on stage for one play, um, so I had a lot of time on my hands, and I thought, well, I will lose weight. And I did. I went on Weight Watchers and I worked out a lot. And it was a colossal effort. And I did manage to lose probably, I don't know, 15 pounds or something. Wow. And um, I got so much uh, uh, sort of kudos for that. You know, people were just like, wow, look at you. That was, you're amazing. And uh, it was the most socially acceptable sort of thing that I've ever done. Everybody was thrilled. But it was so... Hard. I mean, it was, I was so focused on it. And why did you stop? Well, how did it? I couldn't sustain. You couldn't sustain it. No, like the bulimia. I could only sustain that if I had that schedule. And ah. of course, that schedule doesn't last. We don't always have loads of time on our hands to work out and, you know, plan eating and all that stuff. Yeah. Life gets busy. Yeah. And it did get busy. Or we become a personal trainer. Or you could do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there's a lot of that. Yeah, I'm sure. Like I know. People who do a lot of yoga and yeah. just want to practice and practice and then become a yoga teacher. Yeah. But um, but because I was an actress, I, I I mean, I could have probably gone into fitness. I did learn a lot about fitness, you know, along the way. Do you and, know what, I'm, what I'm intrigued <laughs> about? I'm, I'm, I admire it because acting could have um, thwarted you, but actually it saved you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Despite the pressure and the focus yeah. and the feelings that you have around yourself, well, they that, are, yeah. as you have said to me a couple of times, they're just not as big as your desire to act. Yeah, it, it is interesting, isn't it? Because, of course, there are loads of actors and actresses sure. who do have sure. terrible eating disorders. Um, but I think for me, the, the biggest issue with my eating disorder was how it affected my voice. And, I, I you know, to this day, it's probably still I don't know maybe it had a long lasting impact on my voice I don't so, know so did you lose your voice no I just had that <clears throat> do you still do that before yeah you clear your throat when you're at the microphone yeah yeah, yeah. that's a difficult one to break isn't it it is I was doing it today yeah mm. I know it's very it's not good for your voice at all and I think I probably picked up habits and also you know when you think about stomach mm. contents coming up it's that that's not meant to go past, mm. you know, that's not meant to enter into your esophagus and yeah. your pharynx and all that. It's just not meant to happen. And of course it does if you're throwing up a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I suppose if it hadn't had that impact on me, I might have continued with it, but, but it did. And I wanted to be able to use my voice and reach the back seats of a theatre and I, I yeah. just, yeah. It wouldn't have happened. And now, I don't know how far along you are with your career as an acting coach. Mm. I'm not sure if you've already coached some people. I know you're training, yeah. but yeah. that's going to come up. It's 
no pun intended, it's going to come up though, isn't it? Those issues. Potentially. I mean, it's not something I think about too much when I'm teach. I teach now and I'm also in the process of getting my MA in um, actor training. So how old are the actors that you're teaching? Um, They are, they would be in their, yeah, mid early early to late 20s let's okay. say mostly they're kind of early to mid 20s i suppose okay um and then occasionally i do work with an actor who's um sort of closer to my my age um interestingly enough it hasn't come up because i'm not looking for it i'm not focused on it but certainly if somebody did present with vocal problems and it was a woman and she started talking about that uh. i would um be very swift in encouraging her to recover yeah um yeah i because that's interesting as well isn't it because the 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 better you get the less you attract people who who are doing what you used to do into your life mm -hmm. yeah i can i used to pride myself on spotting people with eating disorders Mm. i think i'm really good at that Mm. but now that i'm not in that state yeah i don't spot it so much anymore whereas i could really hone in on it right isn't that interesting yeah yeah Yes, it's not part of my consciousness mm. anymore. Yeah. I mean, 21 was a long time ago now for me, mm. 30 <laughs> years ago. Um, so it, that, that really is something that's, uh, that is my past. Uh-huh. Um, do you have anything to say around the politics of food? Or how you feed yourself now and how, yeah. how you eat? Uh... I think it's, you know, we're starting to see this happen now, uh, the idea of a sugar tax and pressure from the government on reducing um, the size of whatever sweets and, mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Because I actually do worry a lot about kids and how much sugar they eat. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not just about, you know, weight gain and being overweight, but it's about so many mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. And I think... Food. We're learning so much about how it affects mental health. Yeah. Um, and uh, things like attention deficit, attention deficit disorder, uh-huh. or um, autism. You know, all kinds of things. So, do you limit your consumption of sugar? I try to. Yeah, I'm, I'm careful with it. I, I, I do probably eat more sugar than I, I should. Okay. But I'm conscious about eating too much. And actually, I've got to the point where it does make me feel quite. I'm yeah. well if I eat too much of it. Yeah. I also really like healthy food. Like uh-huh. I love beautiful salads and vegetables and, you know, I, I really do like uh, eating well. And um, so sugar can, it can start to feel like it's too much of a stimulant that it takes me away from, yeah, just mental clarity and, and feeling just good in my own being you know if you have sugar do the feelings of having sugar in your body correlate to the feelings of shame um not directly no anymore. not a similar experience not no. anymore so maybe at one point yeah i think probably at one point it might have done but right now i'd have to say no okay mm-hmm. well that's very good i'm mm. very glad to hear that yeah um if you could only take five foods to an island mm-hmm as we're talking about lovely, delicious food, mm. what foods would they be? You can only well, take, and you can't, I've just got to lay some ground rules okay, here. Okay. You have a store cupboard. Yeah. Do so you have condiments, salt and pepper and stuff like that? Right. Um, you can't take aisle five of your favourite oh, okay. supermarket. Right. <laughs> you can't take a menu from somewhere. Mm. It has to be proper food. Well, no, you can well, take whatever you want. I wanted to throw a spanner into the works there and ask you if it's okay to take no food. Like, I remember when I was a kid Ooh. watching some sci-fi Take thing. no food? Yeah. Ooh. And the sci-fi thing was um, 
they didn't have food anymore. They just had these little tablets that you take. Okay, yes, yeah. of course you, you can do that. And I, I'd like to take um, those tablets because I would love to be in a world with no food because therefore there would be no... Com- I'm being idealistic here, I realize that, but the complications and the choices I have to make on a daily basis around food would be gone. Ah, and no food. I like that idea a lot. Well, we need to talk about these pills. Yeah, so the pills are just, they just keep you going. Oh, they just keep you going? Oh, yeah. They don't taste of... They don't taste of anything. You like just swallow a, a salad or... You know. A cake it, or... It is a little pill, you swallow it, and you get all the nutrients you need, and you're good. You're good to go. Ah, I think that's quite anorexic. Oh, no, no, no. You won't lose weight. You'll just be fine. You'll okay. be good. You'll be good. It's science fiction, don't forget. So okay. it can be anything you need it to be. So you have but, an endless supply of pills yeah. on your island. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I don't even need the pills. Maybe the island is magical and all beings who go there uh, get sustenance from the air and the sunshine, like a plant ah, and water. You're living on the light. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Living on the light. Um, I would like to have that experience, you know, because as I said earlier, there is an addictive aspect to food. And if you have a food addiction, you have to deal with it in a different way than somebody who is an alcoholic, for example. If you're mm-hmm. an alcoholic, don't walk into a pub, mm-hmm. don't buy alcohol. Mm-hmm. Just avoid those places where you're going to come across your addiction. Whereas if you have a food addiction, you need to eat. You do. Ah, 100%. And you need to go to a grocery store and you need to buy stuff and you need to go to somebody's birthday party and deal with the buffet and where there might be all kinds of things that you, you know, you really shouldn't be eating. And... Um, I have in my life found that fatiguing to constantly monitor desires and ignore them or try to deal with them or find a different way of, you know, satisfying myself. Um, and um, and for the most part, I'm successful at it. You know, my, um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not 100 pounds overweight. If I was, you know, no judgment about people who are overweight. But for me, mm-hmm. if I was 100 pounds overweight, it would be an indication that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not. Um, I'm pretty healthy and I'm active and I've got energy and all that stuff. But the issue is always there. And I just would like to know what's life like without that issue. That's allowed. You can take no food to your island. Thank You're going to you. have to have boxes and boxes of tablets. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. All right. Or they can be in powder form. <laughs> <laughs> but don't forget. No, I changed. I changed. Don't forget. I, I, it's the air and the. Sun. Oh no! Of course, yeah. But there has to be, it has to be a sunny island. Otherwise, you can I, have a stash of tablets. I might wilt. Yeah, yeah stash in case I need them. Yeah. If, if 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 the sun goes away. And then you can come to my island and get a cake. Great. <laughs> Jane Perry, thank you very much. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for talking to Lovely me. Lovely to chat with you. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know your favourite bit from this episode. Let me know on Instagram at This Food Thing Podcast or join us again in the next episode.